Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Good morning, good morning. Buenos dias. I'm so happy all of you are here, gathered for the service today, and everyone also watching through the live stream as well. Uh, we want you to feel at home and participate too. You could comment on the thread and just be a part of the service. I want to start off the teaching by asking, do you remember your very first, for some of you that might be younger, teenagers, this is probably going to be easier, but your very first real job, your real job, okay? Your first official job. I remember as clear as day when I was working in Food Town, okay? And many of you might remember Food Town. It doesn't exist really anymore. Food Town became Edwards, and then Edwards became Stop and Shop and moved directions. And it's where the Foreman Mills is currently on Newark Avenue. That was my first job as a teenager. And I was a cashier, okay? So I, I love being a cashier, talking to people and just mingling with people and my friends that work there as well. But the, once in a while, and for everyone that has a job, usually there's something interesting that happens that kind of in the middle of the workday that throws a curveball at you. And this happened to me twice while working. All of a sudden, someone's coming, doing a purchase. I'm scanning their items. I'm talking to them. Everything is good. And then all of a sudden, they hand me a $20 bill. And I remember during that time, they told us to make sure we use the pen to detect if it's a fake counterfeit bill or, or a real one, okay? So whenever it was a 20, I just grabbed the pen real quick. I went like this, and it happened to me twice that I went like this, and it came out black. Like it didn't show that it was real. It showed that it was a fake counterfeit bill that that person just handed me. Now, mind you, I was about 17 years old, I really couldn't hide much on my face or the things I would say. I was like, oh, I would look at them and like, is everything okay? I was like, oh, no, wait one second. So I would just get on the, um, on the thing buzz so that all of a sudden the uh, desk supervisor could come. And of course, it becomes a scene. You see the person sweating bricks. Like, you know, all of a sudden they think they're going to get arrested, taken away. But definitely that is a weird situation. Has anyone ever encountered that? Have you been on the other side where you handed a counterfeit bill by mistake? I'm not saying you're making them in your basement. You better not. You know, it's like all of a sudden maybe you've been on the other side. You, you handed a counterfeit bill. But that happened to me twice. But the funniest thing I remember, it's like I pretty much through my face, through my reaction, through the words that I said, I was like, oh, man. I wouldn't even be surprised to say, oh, you're getting in trouble. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just said whatever came to my mind at that moment. No filter as a teenager. And uh, it was an interesting experience. Many of you don't know there's specific features on the $20 bill now that could help you determine that's not a counterfeit. So if you have a $20 bill, take it out of your wallet, your purse. I want to highlight four things. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to give it to the person next to you. Uh, don't worry. We're not doing another offering that you have to bring it up. Don't worry. You can take it out. So, uh, so you can take out a $20 bill if you have it. 
If you want to share it and show it to the person next to you, that's at your own risk. I'm not uh, guaranteeing that you're going to get that $20 bill back. But many of us know that a $20 bill has on the left-hand side a strip that goes across it, and you're able to see it. And if you have a phone on your, uh, a light on your phone, which all of us should, unless you're still using a beeper, that's very old, uh, back then, or a flip phone. I don't think flip phone is, and it had no flashlight. It's only good for the snake game, that little snake game. So if you have a flashlight and put it underneath the bill, you could see the strip on the left-hand side going from top to bottom. Something else that's really interesting, too, is that if you look at the 20 on the bottom right-hand corner and you tilt it, you tilt the 20, it goes from copper to green. Copper to green, it changes colors. Now I'm going to um, tell you another one, too. Here, if you rub your finger on his collar, who's on this bill? Okay, that was a little test. If you rub your finger on the collar, all of a sudden you'll feel like there's a raised imprint. It's raised around his collar. And the last major thing on the $20 bill is if you put the flashlight near the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a watermark of his face again. I don't know if you, you see it. There's a watermark on the bottom right-hand corner. I know for some of you, you don't have a $20 bill on you. You could do it when you get home because probably the person sitting next to you is not going to let you borrow it. But if you're using the flashlight, you have to put it behind the bill, not in front of it. Let the light come from the backside, okay? So here you see that even uh, some of you is like, man, I never knew this. You know, now you could test if the bill, the $20 bills that you have, if they're real or fake yourself. But check this out. Like with this, obviously they did these measures to test the bills so that we would be able to know if it's a counterfeit if it's re or if it's real. And none of us really want to deal with anything that's a counterfeit or a fake because you know that there's really no real value to it. Many of you know that we're in the middle of a new series called... <clears throat> Just in case many of you stayed up too late watching Netflix, right now we're right now in the middle of a series called... Sermon on the Mount. So we're in this series. It's based on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And last week, we officially started with the series. And in case you missed it, many of us might not know, we have a Facebook page. And every teaching, every service we record, and you're able to go back and see the service on our Facebook page. And we have a podcast. If you go on our website, which is cfofelizabeth.com, you go there, there's a podcast, you could go back a couple of years and listen to teachings from here. So in case you ever miss service, you're able to catch on. But here, something that we're going to be doing this month and next month is we're going to be highlighting different parts of the Sermon of the Mount so that we would better understand what it means to be a true, real disciple. And one of the things that we pointed out is that last week, 
through the Beatitudes that was highlighted, God was really giving us a clear picture of what it looks like to be a true disciple. And if I would ask you, pretty much when you would have walked in in the beginning, are you a true, real disciple? Many of us would easily say yes. But today, by the end of this message, you'll be able to really test how authentic your walk with God really is. Are you true and real? Or are you counterfeit and fake? And each of us, whether we realize it or not, in different seasons of our lives, we could easily fall into the counterfeit and fake part when it comes to walking with God. So in case you weren't here last week, I just want to quickly go through it. Um, a couple of the, um, the eight Beatitudes that we highlighted. The first Beatitude, we said, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you realize how much you need God, that you're pretty much lost without him. The second beatitude was blessed are those who mourn, those who mourn over their sin. They know that they need God, that they're sinful, and they, they need God's forgiveness. The third beatitude is blessed are the meek, which is those that are humble. We need to have humility in our hearts, knowing that we need God in our lives and even when you look at these Beatitudes, they go hand in hand, one with each other, as if God is just painting the picture of what a true disciple looks like. Here, the fourth Beatitude is blessed, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, pretty much those that are really hungering and thirsting after God, wanting him more than anything else. And we talked about that last week. The fifth beatitude are blessed are the merciful. One of the things, God bless you. Um, one, one of the things is like blessed are the merciful. Imagine if God extends his mercy towards you at the same pretty much range that you give mercy to other people. You know, how would that look in your life? The sixth beatitude is blessed are the pure in heart. God does want us to live a life of purity, of purity, of holiness, because God is holy. The seventh beatitude are blessed are the peacemakers. And one of the things I mentioned last week is that, you know, some of us might find ourselves being more troublemakers than peacemakers. Do you bring peace in your house? Do you bring peace at work? Do you bring peace in the community? Or anytime you step into the scene Pretty much you have like a big sign. It's like, here comes trouble. It's like, it's like trouble whenever you step onto the scene. But God, God knows here, uh, that God highlights in the seventh beatitude, are blessed are the peacemaker. The eighth beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted. Those that are not ashamed of God. Those that stand up for what it's right, no matter what the cost is, because you rather honor God then honor man. You know that you, you might look bad like if you, if you take a certain stance, but you know it's the right stance and it's the right one to honor God and you rather serve God than please man. And here we know that sometimes there's a price that we would have to pay. Now I want you to look at this, even with the Beatitudes, is that God highlights things of the heart. God is after our heart. He wants to transform us 
from the inside out. I think I heard a song like that this morning. That sounds familiar. He wants to transform us from the inside out. And when you look at all of these things, poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hungering and thirsting for God, merciful, pure in heart, all these things, it all points to the heart. You know, God didn't say, God didn't say, blessed are those that can quote scriptures really well in front of people. He didn't say that. He didn't say, blessed are those that go to the synagogue all of the time. He didn't say that. Or blessed are those that are involved in ministry. He didn't say that. He, 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 also didn't, he, he also didn't say, blessed are those that could pray and use big spiritual words. God didn't say that. And here he's looking at our heart, and through this series, and through the year, because the theme of the year is disciple, be one and make one. We're going to be diving deep into these things, into our own hearts. For some of us, it's going to make us very uncomfortable. That's all good. Because God wants to change us. So here in the journey, as we look here in the Sermon on the Mount, after the Beatitudes, God goes in, uh, Jesus goes in and starts highlighting different aspects where he points to our heart going beyond the outer, outer what we might see in the outside. So here we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It says this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So here Jesus says, you know, you've always heard do not murder, but he's equating murder to being angry towards a brother and sister, having bitterness and unforgiveness towards them. And you might say to, to me, it's like, you know what, Carlos? There's a big difference between murder and being angry in that way towards someone. I guarantee you, you've killed them in your heart tons of times. In your heart, you've committed the murder. In your heart, you've cut them out of your life. You even went so far to unfriend them on Facebook. You just killed them. Like if they don't exist anymore, you unfriended them on Facebook, deleted them on Instagram, you don't follow their Twitter account, you actually drive on the opposite direction of their, wherever they might live, you just killed them. Literally, you realize you, you've murdered someone. Because I guarantee you, anytime you get a chance to talk about that person, it's not a good thing. You slander them. You gossip about them. You continuously stab them spiritually. You continuously put them under. And you do this not in a physical sense. You don't need any weapons, physical weapons to commit this murder, but you do it in your heart. And how God is targeting our hearts, God is saying, hey, who do you hate in this way in your heart? Right now, this moment, you know, you might think out of sight, out of mind, it's definitely in your heart. You might have not been thinking about this person for months, maybe even years. Maybe the person is, still, is physically dead, not even living on this earth anymore. 
but you're continuously killing them in your heart. Maybe it was your dad that treated you a certain way. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was someone that abused you, used you, molested you. The list could go on and on. And I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form it's easy to forgive. But God is calling us and he wants us not to live in that prison anymore. Because think about it. Let's say it's even if it's someone that's already been dead. They're dead, whether in heaven or hell, only God knows. But yet you're living in a prison on a daily life. And the bars are made, not made out of steel, but they're made out of bitterness, unforgiveness, and anger, and revenge. God wants you to be free. So that's why God is not looking just at the outside. He's looking at the heart. So right now, the question I have for you is, who do you have to forgive today? Who's the person in your heart that you're committing murder against? today and you alone could answer that but here jesus with his disciples close by is digging deep into their hearts so that they realize it's like look i don't want counterfeits or just fans to follow me if you're going to follow me you're going to walk in my ways but jesus continues it doesn't even end there and we're not going to, we don't have the time to highlight everything, but I'm just highlighting a couple. In Matthew chapter 5, the same um, chapter, starting at verse 27, it says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here Jesus is saying, you don't even have to be in the act of adultery. If in your heart you're thinking lustfully after that woman or that guy, if in your heart that's what's happening, you've committed the crime. You've sinned already. And you might not think it's a big deal because the world has convinced that it's not a big deal. But it is because it affects your relationship with God. It affects the way you treat your wife or your husband. It affects the way you view women, the way that you view men. It transforms you not into a disciple of God, but it transforms you into a disciple following the ways of the enemy. But the choice is yours. Here, just to think even just the thoughts of within our heart lustfully whether we're watching a music video, whether it's a post, whether scrolling through profile pics of someone that you think is attractive that's not your spouse. Or either way, even if you're not married, you're single, if you're thinking of someone lustfully, it's outside of what God says is the way that we need to walk in. So for us, I wonder how many things we entertain and we think it's okay. Whether it's like looking at someone way too long. Because I really believe staring is the pathway to adultery. Because the reality is there's no reason for you to stare that long. Why are you staring that long? It's like, yo. Yo, if you stare that long, you just, 
you're just straight up weird, yo. If, if you're not thinking of a certain way about that person, and I catch you just, yeah. It's like, I'm going to be like, yo, you want to go to Trinitas? I'm going to take you real quick. You know what I mean? Or you want me to pray for you? You know, one or the other. Staring is the pathway. I'm not saying staring is a sin. Staring is the journey, the hallway, the pathway, pretty much to your mental bedroom with the person. So all I got to say, if you stare way too long, you got a problem. Because that, to, like to me in my walk, that's a guardrail. There's no reason to stare. I have my Portuguese queen. I don't have to stare at any other uh, lady. Good. My, my, my Portuguesa. <laughs> it's true. If I have my Portuguese queen, I don't need to stare at nobody else. And this is the thing. Some of us think adultery or this and that, all of a sudden you think of um, a pornography as being the major thing. Let me tell you. Like, obviously, that is definitely a sin and unhealthy, but many of us walk down that journey on social media without seeing those images that graphic. So for us, if you want to walk in holiness, Jesus here, he's touching our hearts. Jesus is saying, you know what? It's not about the outward action. What are you doing inside your heart? What are you doing inside your heart? You see, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, we're going to jump there Starting at verse 21, Jesus says something. And this, to me, is probably one of the most, like, shocking verses that you could read as someone that's trying to follow God. It says this, chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Like Jesus is saying, he's sitting down with his disciples. So I want you to picture Jesus sitting here, looking at all of us, including myself, looking at all of us, and he says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then it continues. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. And this this is Jesus saying, like, yo, Jesus, like, yo, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to, like... Like, like, say other things. I'm going to say it as simple and plain that I could say. And he said this, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In the, in the Bible, I'm assuming most Bibles have this. In this section, on the top, it pretty much says as a title to this section, not as part of scripture, but it was added for us to be able to know that section. It pretty much talks about true and false disciples here. Like here it's highlighted. It's like, look, there could be situations where there could be true and counterfeit disciples. 
And many times throughout the scriptures, throughout the book of Matthew, throughout all the scriptures, God is trying to pretty much separate those that are real disciples and those that are counterfeit, those that are truly following him with all their heart, mind, and soul, and those that are just fans faking it along the way. And there's so many scriptures, you'll know them by their fruit. Like, you know, it's like all of a sudden that's even one scripture that we could easily see where God is telling us, it's like we need to look at the fruit of the person because out of their heart, the fruit will be produced. Now here with the passage that I highlighted, I want to highlight three major takeaways from this. The first one is talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You could talk a great game. It's cheap. You might be able to fool your family. You might be able to fool the church here. Like, you might come here. You might talk, like, beautifully. (laughs) You know, you know all the right things to say, okay? But you will never be able to fool God, okay? It's like you could probably fool other people, but talk is cheap. Here, they're like, not, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of a sudden, here, there's these counterfeit disciples that are saying, Lord, Lord, saying the very right things, but yet their life is not aligned with what they're saying. So here, a major takeaway for us to know is that talk is cheap. Second takeaway is this. Only the person that does the will of God will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the person that does the will of God. God wants us to surrender our hearts to him. Allow him to transform us from the inside out. He wants to be the Lord of your heart and guide you through your life, not for you to be able to do whatever you want, but to do God's will. Here it says, says, only the person that does the will of God will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to be the good person. None of us are good enough to enter heaven. You know, it's, it's not going to be the person that goes to church every Sunday. It's not going to be the person that knows all the Bible memory verses that we might give you. It's the person that does the will of God. So here, we got to really keep that in mind. And the third thing to take away from this is Christian ministry without relationship with God is cheap too. Christian ministry without a relationship with God, is cheap too. And I'll tell you why. Here you clearly see it. And what's mind-boggling is that the type of ministry that these disciples were involved in are probably even seen as the glorified ones in the church. Pretty much here it says, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? All of a sudden, thus says the Lord, like, you know, all of a sudden you've been prophesying to so many people. Didn't I drive out demons in your name? And And then it continues, didn't I in your name perform miracles? So here it's like, obviously, ministry is being done. You know, they're doing things in the name of Jesus. They're out there, but yet, There was a problem with it. In the end, God says, I never knew you. So there was no relationship there with God. I have to tell you, 
For those of us that have known God for a long time, one of the biggest dangers that you could fall into is that you fall into a routine where you're just involved in things and not spending time with God. Not spending time with God one-on-one. You might be involved in five, six, ten ministries. You might listen to worship music. You might do so many different things. But that one-on-one time where you're able to listen to God, And you're able to pour out your heart to him. And you get to grow with God in your relationship one-on-one with him. Not a quick little devotional so you could check it off your plan that you've completed it for the day. But a relationship that you have with God day in and day out. And this is the thing too. So many of us, especially if you've known God for a long time, you rely on your source on the things that you experienced in the past. Some of us are holding on to God because of an experience we had at a youth retreat about six years ago. Let me tell you, you could have a youth retreat every single day with God if you surrender your heart with, to him and allow him to impact your heart. Some of us are holding on to God because of old experiences we had of him when God does new things every single day. So let me tell you, when we look in the past, it's great, but God doesn't want us to chew on the old manna that he gave us. He has new manna for you to chew on today, but that's up to you to decide. So here, how I said, Christian ministry without relationship with God is cheap. Obviously, it's valued in the sense that we appreciate your work, but what good it is for us that you volunteer in so many ministries in our church, but yet all of a sudden you don't make it to be with God for eternity because you never had a relationship with God. You know, you were doing a lot of good things, but yet there was a disconnect. Jesus wasn't your Lord and Savior, let's say. And that's just a wake-up call for us that we need to be careful with that. So as you can tell, the lines could get very blurry on what is a real and a counterfeit or fake disciple. And how I told you before, all of us, including myself, depending on our journey, especially when we're starting off just in that journey, not understanding things, we could easily fall in either side, you know, easily. All of us have done it. So don't, I'm, I'm letting you know, it's like, it's not one of those things that, man, if I really notice that, am I like counterfeit? I'm no good. Like, you know, God doesn't love me anymore. Of course God loves you, but God wants to transform your heart and he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay in the same place you are today. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop your relationship with him. He wants to lead you into the destiny within his will. But so many times we get caught up in a routine. So many times we expect, we get so excited when the new year comes. 2019, new me, right? You get so excited. But yet we do the same exact things we did in 2018 with the same results. You're getting the same results in 2019 that you did last year. Why? Are you in the same place spiritually today than when you, what you were last year? You shouldn't be. You know, and, and here we, we could easily see that, that these lines are blurred and all of us, we could go from one way to another 
And I really believe with all my heart, no one intends to be a counterfeit. It's not, I, I don't think any Christian wakes up really like in the morning, say, God, I want to be a counterfeit today. You know what I mean? I just want to fake it today and pretend I don't like pretend I love you, but I really don't. We don't intentionally want to be counterfeit. We don't intentionally want to be fake. We want to truly give God our hearts, but yet sometimes because of the pretty much the environment we surround ourselves in, the compromises that we allow ourselves to have in our lives, you know what I mean? Like lowering the bar of what it means to following God in our own lives. All of a sudden, all these mindsets, we put ourselves in a situation that we start walking away from God and not even realizing it and becoming counterfeit and not a true disciple. I, I could tell you with an illustration you could probably easily understand is I don't think anyone really wants to have extra chichos like in their body. I have a couple. You know, none of us wants to, wants to have extra fat like in our lives. We really don't. You know what I mean? You, we don't. I don't wake up in the morning and like look at Jen. It was like, Jen, I'm not going to gym today. I'm going to eat more bad food so I can get fatter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I never tell that to Jen. Like, you know, it, it's no one intentionally, unless you're in a situation that you do have to gain weight for health reasons, stuff like that. There are certain exceptions to that, but I want you to get what I'm saying. No one intentionally wants to have those extra chichos. But what happens is when you go through your life, you drive like I, I when I drive from my house and I get on Newark Avenue, I'm surrounded by IHOP, Wendy's and Taco Bell. It's I'm not blaming it on them, but why do they got to stare at me all the time? You know what I mean? It's, a, it's like they're staring at me like come through my drive through. It's like the world makes it easy for you. To walk down this path, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden social media, let me tell you, social media is a blessing, but it could be toxic. It could be toxic. There's sometimes I, I've caught myself on social media and there's certain things just frustrating me. And I was like, Carlos, why are you, are you even looking at this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, stop even reading those comments. I just stopped watching it just because I need to unplug because it's toxic. So you think about the environment that you're in, what everyone around you is doing, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, it's like, next thing you know, when you step on that scale, it didn't go down, it went up. So how do you change that? Unless you're intentional and purposeful to grow and be able to like do what you have to do to lose weight, go to the gym, eat healthy, shop ahead of time, get rid of all the snacks that you have, all those snicker bars inside that drawer, you got to get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like all that maltas, you guys love maltas too much? Those maltas are not good for you, Angie. I'm sorry, inside joke. Um, one of our staff members, Angie, some of you know who she is, pretty much she has a Malta every single day almost. That's like a holy water for her. So, um, so, so pretty much it's like unless you're intentional and purposeful, you're not going to be able to overcome that. 
So what I got to let you know is this, is that unless you're intentional and purposeful to be a true disciple, you're going to become a counterfeit one. Because all of a sudden, just going through the world, pretty much you're surrounded by sin. You're surrounded people with people that are uncommitted to God. You're surrounded with people that compromise. And also, you don't have these examples, let's say, for many cases around us. And then it's easy for us because we're flooding our lives with things that are contrary to God. So all of a sudden, your behavior becomes more like the world than following God. And your behavior is an extension of what's happening in your heart. So for us, we need to, we need to really look. It's like we could easily, all of a sudden, we could allow sin in our lives. We could allow rebellion. We could allow like being like rude and not kind to one another. We have to love one another just like ourselves. But yet we could easily fall into wanting to be rude and not being kind because we're from New York and New Jersey. We're supposed to be mean. We're supposed to be rude. We're supposed to not offer that seat for you on that subway like that woman did. Some of you know, saw the news. A woman that refused to get out of her, like to move the bag out of her seat. Like, you know what I mean? Like that ends up being like the, what's expected in the world. And so many times we fall in line with the thinking that like, you know, the world's expectations are more important than what God is telling us that we need to be like. So here, as we continue, I want us to evaluate our own hearts. And I'm going to give you four tests the same way in the beginning when we started. We tested the $20 bill, and I showed you four ways to test that bill. I'm going to give you four ways that you could test your walk with God. And with this, you could write down notes in the back. You don't have to share with anyone. This is between, really between you and God. It's your heart. And here in Christ Fellowship, and for those of you that are watching through live stream, we want you to be able to surrender your heart to God and let God have his way within you and through you. We want God to have his way. Now, mind you, some of us, we're going to decide to resist it. Some of us might decide that we want what the world has to offer more than what God has to offer. And that is such a lie of the enemy if you really believe that the enemy has better things for you than what God has for you. Like God has amazing things for us. And even last week, I highlighted the Beatitudes. And those are conditional promises for those that choose to walk in that way. There's so many blessings in walking with God. But so many times... The fakeness and artificial flavoring of the world entices us so much that we feel as though it's so much better than the substance that God has for us. The world dangles cotton candy in front of you, and we run after it. But yet when you bite it, and it has no substance. It completely dissolves. It leaves you empty, wanting more of something that's not really going to satisfy but yet God gives you so much within each of our lives, but we fail to see what he's doing so many times. So here we're going to do four ways to test if, if we might be true disciples or we might be counterfeit. 
The first one is this. In examining the four, four things, four, four things to examine in our own walk to see if we're counterfeit or real is our view of sin. Our view of sin. Do we entertain it or do we try to destroy it? What's your personal view of sin? When it comes to sin, is it you don't even think twice about it? You love it? You want more of it? It doesn't bother you? And this is the thing, that by being mixed with the world so much that we could easily compromise and forget that God is holy. And we could do that by allowing words coming out of our mouth that are not of him, cursing, accepting cursing like it's okay, cursing at our kids, cursing at our spouse, cursing at work, cursing at those around. I'm just using that as an example. But we know that God doesn't want us to curse. He wants us to bless. But we think it's normal. Some of us, we might even share those things on Facebook, share statements, share images, share videos that are contrary to what God wants of us. But the world has just made it so normal for us to think it's okay. But yet these things, these very things are affecting you. And you don't even realize it because we become numb to them. So here you could write down, entertain it or destroy it. If you could turn to Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. It says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified, crucified them there. Pretty much you're determined to completely nail the passions and desires of your sinful nature to the cross and destroying them, keeping them there. Now, Obviously, as long as we're living in this body of flesh, sin is always going to be something we're going to wrestle with. But what's your view on it? Is your view to entertain it or to destroy it? You need to decide the way that you look at that today. The second way is looking at to determine if we're a counterfeit disciple or a real one is looking at our view of people. Do we use them or love them? Do we use them or love them? For in your own life, like if there's people around you that you don't need or that don't bring you any type of benefit, do you cut them out? Do you decide not to love them, not to care about them? Or do you just choose to love and care about those that have something back to give to you. But the moment that there's someone that can't do nothing for you, you decide not to love them. Are those around you that are close to you only those that really give you something, that you could use for something? Here, we know that God wants us to love everyone. God wants you to love strangers that you've never met before. Love your enemies. Love your coworkers that drive you crazy. He wants you to love 
everyone. But so many times we decide on who we're going to love. And if we look deep into our heart, what determines who we're going to love is whether or not they have something to give us or not. So that you need to look into your own heart to see where you stand there. The third one is our view of life. Is our view of life about me or is it about God? When you go through your life right now, is it about you? From the moment you wake up in the morning, from the moment you put your head down in bed, this season of your life, is it all about you? About where you want to work, what career you want, what you want to achieve, what everything about you, what you want to accomplish? Or all of a sudden do you wake up and maybe this is something we need to start doing, probably personally, all of us, is all of a sudden you wake up and your first words are towards God. Like, God, I love you. You've given me this day. What do you want me to do in this day? How different would that be? Because all of a sudden, it's, if you look at God and you look at your life that's about him, everything revolves around him. Whether it's your dreams, your careers, your schooling, whether it's your job, your family, your problems, your circumstances, the tragedies you might experience, whatever it may be, you always point it to God and you say, God, how could I give you glory in the midst of this? How could I glorify your name? I know that your name is great and powerful. We sang about this today. But I wonder how many of us are willing to not just sing about it on Sunday, but throughout the week, in the midst of our daily life, the moment we give glory to him and put him first, we're making his name great and powerful among the world that might not be able to even see it anywhere else. What's our decision? Is it about you or is it about God? And the last one, what is our view of God? What's our view of God? Is it about a benefit or a relationship. This is how you determine whether a disciple, these four things, is either real or a counterfeit. Is it about a benefit or a relationship? Why are you following God? Why are you even here this morning? Why are you watching through this live stream? It's like, why? Are we doing it because of a benefit? It's like, oh, because when things go bad, we could run to him and get forgiveness. We just want forgiveness. Or all of a sudden it's like, no, this is like almost my insurance plan so that in case, you know, the day I die, I end up going to heaven. You know, is it just a benefit that we just look at God and be like, God, almost like a genie in a bottle. It's like, God, I just want to have you close in case something happens, in case I might, not, I might really need you, I might turn to you and ask you to bless me. And to be there with me? Or is it a relationship? Do you think about God every day? I know myself, I've mentioned my Portuguese queen. Like, obviously, we have a relationship. I think about Jen every day. I call her, I text her, I try to see how I could serve her, and she does the same to me. How we could be there for one another. 
how is it with our relationship with God? It's like, do we view God just as a benefit? Or do we truly want that relationship with God? I, t- I tell you this, God has been trying to speak to some of us for such a long time. But we just haven't taken the moment to listen and to silence the noise around us. God wants to speak. God wants to listen to your voice. God wants you to pour out his heart, your heart to him. But that's your choice in doing. So here, we highlighted the four, four things. And I wonder where you are. For some of us, you might be sitting there and be like, you know what, Carlos? This season of my life, I have to agree. I've been more like a counterfeit. I haven't been a true disciple. I've been focusing on so many things. I've been focusing more on entertaining sin, on using people around me, about making life about me, or looking at God as just a benefit. For some of us, you're like, you know what, Carlos? I'm, I, I'm good. I'm a true disciple in evaluating myself. I try to destroy sin. I love other people. And I, I make my life about God, and it's a relationship with him. For some of us, we might find ourselves kind of in the middle. You might say, you know what? For these two, I'm good. But these two are pulling me aside. So the choice is yours as we wrap up this service. I wanted to end it with a time of repentance. A time that we could turn to God. Turn to God and just surrender our hearts to him. Turn to God and letting him know. It's like, you know what, God? I don't want to be a counterfeit anymore if I am one. I don't want to falsely walk after you. I want to be able to truly be your disciple. I want to be following in, your, in the dust of my rabbi. I want to be able to listen to your voice and let you guide my life every single day. And let me tell you, life is short. We don't know how many days we have left. We don't know how many even seconds we have left. We don't know how many months or years. But I tell you this much. I guarantee you this. That if you decide to give God your all and be a true disciple, I'm not telling you life is going to be easy because that's not true. Life is still hard while following Jesus. But I tell you this, that it will be the most rewarding adventure you could ever be on. You might not see it all on this side of the earth. But when you get to heaven and see Jesus face to face, it will be worth it. When he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And when he says good, it's about the heart. It's about the heart and about faithfulness and about being a servant. Not about so many other things that we make Christianity about. So if everyone could bow their heads. If you're here today and you know in one way, shape, or, or, or another, you know that you need to surrender a certain aspect of your life to God. You know that you want to be a true disciple in every single area. And I tell you this, all of us, including myself, every day we need to evaluate our lives because it's so easy to steer away. But if you're here and you know that you want to spend this time in repentance, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet wherever you're at.
Stand up. Don't worry about anyone next to you. This is about you and your relationship with God. You're deciding not only to repent, but to commit your entire life to God. That no more will you chase after what the world decides it is to live this life. You're going to chase after what God says is the way to follow in his footsteps. Surrendering everything. Stop compromising. Stop giving your heart to other things or people that don't deserve to have them. Only God and God alone deserves to have your heart. God is trying to lure you into the destiny that he has for you. And when I say that he's trying to lure you, it's because he's trying to whisper to guide you. But he's not going to force you to go. That's a decision that you and you alone could make. So right now, even if you're sitting down, maybe you might decide to even pray for those that are close to you. Lift them up in prayer. Or maybe you could spend time thanking God for the blessings he's given you. But this is a holy moment where we're just going to pray, repent, and look to God. Father God, as we're gathered here, even now with every eye closed and every heart turned towards heaven, God, please forgive us, God. Please forgive us in any way, shape, or form if, if we've steered away entertaining sin, God, making life about us instead of making it about you, God. God, forgive us, God, for choosing to use people or to love people, only the ones that we decide to. God, forgive us, God, for in so many ways looking at towards you as a benefit and not as a relationship, God. God, tear down every stronghold, Break off every chain within our heart and mind and soul that doesn't belong. Father God, transform us from the inside out, God, that the world may be able to see you through our lives, God. God, forgive us for compromising. Forgive us, God, for not protecting this relationship we have with you. Forgive us, God, for allowing social media, our fun, our games, all the, our hobbies, so many other things to come before you, God. God, we commit our lives to you. But God, may every day be a day that we look towards heaven. May every day be a day, God, that we would pour out our heart to you. May every day be a day that we check in on you to see what you want us to accomplish, God. May every day be a day that we would put a smile on your face when you look down upon our lives. May every day be a day, God, that you would be able to look down on us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not only when we die and stand before you face to face, but God, every day, may you look down and be pleased with the walk that we have, God. God, we don't want to be counterfeits. We don't want to be fake disciples. We don't want to be just fans of yours. We just don't want to just even be a believer of yours. God, we want to be a true disciple, someone that's laid down our own lives to follow you, knowing that this life is about doing your will and your will alone, God, to advance your kingdom to walk side by side with you like a son and daughter. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.